Cheers. Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we keep it real with owners, winemakers, growers, personalities, as they discuss the places and the wines that have shaped the Paso Robles wine region. Each episode is candid, yet approachable and conversational. I mean, we really take you inside. I'm thrilled you're here. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Quick shout out to Blazing Stars, who wrote a cool review on the Apple Podcast app. Adam is an outstanding interviewer, and he interviews the most dope people. I like that. This podcast makes you want to visit every winery in Paso. That is, that's, that's it. That's all I need. You made my day. And our guests today are as equally dope as Blazing Stars puts it. Thank you, Blazing Stars. And yes, we are about Paso. But if you like wine and you like wine podcasts, we do real. We do conversation where one takes you promises to be an interesting, educational, and fun podcast that tells the stories of our unique and authentic wine country and the wines that come from it. And authentic is the word for today. Uh, the two guests I got, we, we have really the epitome of authentic with us. They call themselves salty. Either way, it's going to be a fun conversation, I'm sure. Whether I get in a word edgewise or not, that might be another question. More on today's show in just a few, because I want to talk about the Paso Wine Fest auction. Now, Paso Wine Fest is next week, May 20th through the 23rd, PasoWine.com for the latest. But right now, literally as this publishes, and if you are listening to this as a fresh-baked podcast, the Paso Wine Fest auction is going on right now. We have two dozen lots in this virtual auction that range from large format bottles, full releases of some of our most popular wine, to many experiences, lots of uh, stays and some great Paso accommodations, dinners, tasting experiences, and a lot more. Check it out and just scroll through. See what's up. There's so much good stuff here. A lot of cool ones. Some that really explore the different sub-AVAs of Paso and the districts. Got this cool one exploring the Adelaide district, like a tasting and a vertical at Adelaide Vineyards, lunch, and paired wines at La Cuvier, just down the road. Then Lone Madrone tasting there. The winemaker, by the way, is one of our guests today. Uh, dinner at Thomas Hill Organics. Like, what? Oh, And the bidding prices on this one, like, super reasonable. So lots of fun, lots on this virtual auction to check out. Check it out, PasoWine.com. It is the Paso Wine Fest Auction Act now. It goes through the 16th, PasoWine.com. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. So today is a really, really good show. This is going to be some conversation. I could sit with one of these two dudes. For the whole show, and you'd be like, whoa, Adam, you're giving me too much show, too much good show. But here, I got them both. Both describe themselves, and the other, by the way, as salty. But one thing you can say, the conversation is entertaining, and it's authentic. I love it. Both of my guests are phenomenal winemakers. Their wine is well-respected, far and wide, and very popular. They also both have stories that include day jobs in other cellars. Sellers that also on their own have very respectable names attached. And it's these relationships we'll see that bless and lead to great opportunity because all of what Paso does so good, in addition to wine, is people. 
First of two, Neil Collins of Lone Madrone Wines. He also has a popular cider house and lineup of ciders called Bristol's. He's been making ciders since the mid to late 90s. I've literally opened a bottle of his 1996 cider he made when we were celebrating a cider festival here. We're also going to talk about his new Hike It wine. By day, though, he is the winemaker for Tablas Creek. Yes, that Tablas Creek. Pretty cool day job, huh? But when not making wine that the world has raved about for 30 years, he is a live music-loving, cider-drinking, wine and cider-making machine, this guy. His wines, they're balanced. He knows what he's doing, and his winemaking has got it going on. With Neil today, we got Mark Adams of Ledge Vineyards. Now, Mark is Temple Tucky born and raised. Graduated Templeton High School. Looks better than anyone else I've ever seen in that famous green Templeton food and grain hat. And has more than just world-class farming and winemaking skills with a Z. Mark is a well-respected singer, songwriter, and popular musician here on the Central Coast. He's been at it, at least as far as I know, of like 20 years, probably more. Not uncommon to see him playing at wineries. He's got a ton of albums, has worked and uh, produced with some talented names in music. Here's a little taste. Where's my town? Bobby Fox now, Bobby. His head is in the game. And you can never stop So this is a well-rounded and talented dude. He started cutting his chops on farming and winemaking, working with Justin Smith at Saxon. So for both these guys, coming from both those places, there is a lot of conversation to be had. And I am likely not to be in control of any of it. I am excited, though. I show up to Bristol Cider House in Atascadero. I'm about 15 minutes late because, well, you know, day job at the radio station. And they will, they'll bust my balls and not let me forget about this the entire time. Uh, Bristol's is in an industrial area in North Atascadero. It's got a really cool vibe. They play live music, indoor vibes, outdoor vibes, just a really, really cool place. We're situated inside. They got these two leather couches facing each other, big table. We're spread out. We got wine. We got cider. We got these two salty winemakers. I think, I think we're ready. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Now the question is, you got a wine key up in here. Ten four. Ten four, big buddy. Uh, we got a bogey on the uh, oh, on, the, on your uh, on your right. I think he's a little late. We got a bogey, uh, bogey rolling on, on the right here. It's uh, Adam Montiel from Up and Adam in the morning. By the way, it's is there it, such it a is, thing as Up and Adam in the morning? I'll tell. Sure. I'll tell you what. Uh, it's Up and at um as in at them. It's not Up and Adam as in Adam Montiel. It's Up and Adam. Like I know, let's but I get up that. and get Adam. I changed that though. The world's different with that's headphones. clever. It's a play on words. It's a different world. <laughs> we bottled something. Did you just sing? I did. Oh, we no. bottled something with a cork this year. DM. Really? We went with the DM. The 17 cuvee was the one that had uh, the senso in it, and that was from Adelaida. Right. And then in 2018, a bunch of pigs ripped out that block. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And so I didn't get my senso. 
We just we got Sanso from Lunamata last year. But now Dow bought Lunamata, as we know, and they're going to rip it out. What are they putting in it? Probably Cap Franc, $1,000 a ball. Yeah. <laughs> Beats selling me Sanso for 4000 bucks. So how, how do, what do you do? Do you go find more Sanso somewhere that you it's like? It's not easy to find. I know. I right. imagine that's not an easy grape to find. I'm growing it. Oh, okay. We can oh, talk I'll buy about some, that. I'll buy some from you. It's not for sale. There. It doesn't help me, does it? <laughs> I have some planted. It's not for sale. I'm doing Clone 7, which is a Tobas clone, I'm pretty sure. Syrah. Clone mm-hmm. 7. Mm-hmm. You need to be prepared with these answers, man. We're going live around well, the world. Well, Tobolus Creek is Tobolus Creek. It's A, B, C, no, it's actually not. It's A, C, D, E, and F. Clone 7. I'm ready with the answers. It's not my fault if you don't understand the answers. <laughs> uh, at any rate, that's what we're putting in. Good. And, and, and I was going to propagate it and unroot it, but it was... Can I buy some? Yeah. That you can buy. Yeah. Not sense only. No sense only. No you, sense for you. <laughs> well, let's lift up these ciders and cheers, gentlemen. Ciders. Cheers. Ciders, ciders. This is going to be fun. We got different kinds of wine. We got bristle cider. I'm not going to take a sip. No problem. And we got the two of you guys. Yeah, well, you don't sip cider, really. No, no, you don't. I've had a couple. We're at the Cider House here, and I've had a couple nights. I don't know if it was after Cider Festival or just other nights that end in Y that can kind of go sideways here. You don't remember, do you? No, cider does that. It does. But I don't get a big hangover with cider, which I think is really cool. because yeah, it's pure. It's not Franken-cider. It's not a, not a whole bunch of water. It's just sugar. What makes it impure? Sugars and a bunch of... I have no idea. Yeah. But this is apple juice and only apple juice. Yeah. What we have here is NC squared. Are it's, you familiar with this? Oh, absolutely. Let me, actually, t- let me take this. Actually, <laughs> you got it wrong already. He'll feel this one. <laughs> I gave him Ambonny because he was late and he needed to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted him to set sail. Ah, fair enough. We pushed his boat out. <laughs> Down the neck, as they say. Yeah, they say that. It's cool. Um, we're going to talk about Bristol's. I also want to talk about High Kit. H-Y-K-I-T. It's a new brand of canned wine that are, is from the makers of Lone Madrone. You're doing this, of course, right? Yeah, I mean, it's more more the kids than me, really. But yeah. Is it? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm supporting it. Yeah, I love it. And then, uh, of course, uh, Mark with Ledge is here. Now, both of you guys, I'm, I'm curious, you know, because both of your histories are really interesting, and we'll get into them, but I'm curious where, where you kind of crossed paths. Where, where did you guys meet? Live Oak Music Festival, I believe, is when we began our Probably. treacherous friendship. Maybe that's true. We had certainly met before. Yeah, we'd met before. I think the first um, time I laid eyes upon Mark Adams was at, Tob- well, knowing who he was, was at Tobolus Creek. And you performed there. Ah, uh, for that and it was dinner party? Also, more interestingly, it was the first time that I'd seen Sierra Nevada in a can, because that's what you had in your ice chest. <laughs> of, course, of course I did. <laughs> and I said, whoa, they do it in a can? And you said... No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, well, we did truly bond uh, in a hammock under the trees at the Live, Live Oak, Oak Music, Music Festival. Festival. Well, did you guys hit it off right off the bat? Pretty much. I mean, we're, yeah. we're both salty as hell, and, and we enjoy that. That's one thing you and I were talking about. We were talking about putting this together. It was like, I'm, I'm a salty dude. He's a salty dude. That's the picture. Yeah? The no pepper picture. That's the picture for this show. Ah. Oh, no pepper. I get it. When we first started going to Live Oak was about 11 years ago, and I know that because my daughter was in utero, and she's now 11, so wow. carry, carry the one, Tumbleton Math, <laughs> right. it was about that time. Yeah. And uh, we had this really cool campsite that was well, the Collins and Trevisons and a, a great many other folks that, you know, we just circled the wagons and had cornhole set in the middle, and 
and uh, just, just had a great time year after year after year. Yeah. And my band had played, actually, Rancho Deluxe had played 2006 or something. That was so. like opening night, Friday night? It was. It was, I remember yeah. I don't know that. if it was 2006, but it was in that area. I still have that CD. I still have the Rancho Deluxe compact disc. It's a great disc. Well, there are three of them. Disc. So, uh, <laughs> it's I'm glad one, you're familiar with my work. It's a one of three. <laughs> yeah, that was when I was at Cage Dog at the country station. Yeah, I can, and that's where I, I first I met you. I to get Pepper to play it, and I don't know. He had Rancho Block somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. country country's a tough format. And, yeah, no, totally. But I, I get it. No, but I mean, that's what... That's what we got the crush for, yeah. You know, local music, and there's so much good local music. You're still playing so music, yeah, yeah. We just we just night. did a, a little uh, foray into the post pandemia. Hopefully that continues. But it was an outdoor sort of uh, private where we invited some family and friends, and uh, so we're we're grateful to Shayla and Curtis out there. No, it's this Mark Adams a, band. It's this one time. What a great venue, too. Really great. Yeah, I, I call it Wine Church. It's so beautiful it's, out there. It's gorgeous. And the trees mm-hmm. there, and it's super cool. Yeah, Shale Oaks on the west side of Paso. Big stained glass. Cool architecture. Uh, they're lead certified, so they're doing a lot as far mm-hmm. as, like, keeping things, you know, crossing T's and dotting I's, collecting rainwater. Yeah, they're cool. And Curtis, is, is he's dope. And yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's a really well, cool I guy. wanted to, to go there because I know that he's a Grateful Dead fan. Yeah. And uh, my current project is, is two drummers. And... It's it's a little bit more jammy, um, not necessarily Almond Brothers style when you think of it. But you know the songs like the stuff that Crush plays, like Mona Lisa, and yeah, you know, and but we just take it and we spin uh-huh. it off and sort of play with play with jams. But it was great. And Two drummers, yeah, and we're finally open to start playing outside. It's uh, Mark Adams Band, and and we do all of the you know originals that have been in various projects from space man to rancho to yeah. you know my my stuff we're going to play here bristol cider house Wine Fest is obviously a little bit different this year, but we're going to be doing, so obviously not a big marquee event in the park, but you know, there's there's dinners, there's activities, there's things going on. Is there anything that, I mean, Ledge is pretty, is kind of a private place. I don't, are you going to be playing at any other wineries or is is Ledge doing anything for Wine Fest? Is Ledge private? We are. Is me showing up at Ledge is inappropriate? Well, you're family, so... uh, you're always welcome. Didn't get that memo. Uh, so long as you bring Marcy, you're always well, welcome. That's, that's always the case. Uh, that's wherever the caveat we caveat here. Um, but yeah, no, we don't have a public tasting room. And what we do do uh, for wine club members and friends and family of wine club members is you can make an appointment to come out and see the vineyard and the ranch and taste with us. But we don't sell wine on the premises and, and it's not public. And that's what little we do have to offer because we don't have a place. I'm going to do that. I'm going to offer that disguise. Sort of. I'm going to make a... But the wine is still insanely Mr. popular. Mr. Jones. It's a, yeah. <laughs> Party of four. And he's going to like change the accent. Yeah. yeah. What's your accent on the phone that doesn't I sound like Neil Collins? I don't know. Maybe Welsh or something. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Adams. <laughs> Like glasses and a mustache. <laughs> now, like the Monopoly and man. try and buy wine. Can you rap on but my really, door? I want to buy your many, cane. many cases. Yeah, you can try many like many cases of wine. Now, Lomadrone is on um, Adelaide Road. What are you guys getting into for Wine Fest? The tasting room is on Adelaide Road. Yeah, right. Clarify that, which is where we want everyone to go because that's where they can taste and buy the wine. But the winery is here at Bristol Cider House, really. This yeah. is where the barrels are. Of course, my employers are generous enough to let me produce the wine and ferment the wine at Tablos Creek and for which we'll be eternally grateful. But they can come here and taste Loma Drone too. But yeah, the, the Adelaide facility is where it's at. 
get up there, particularly weekends, because we got Jeffrey doing food every weekend now. Mm. It's great. You know, there's just the burgers have turned into scallops and nice. really, yeah, and oh, wow. damn, glow up and Moroccan sandwiches and all kinds of Shoot. stuff going down over there now. Awesome. Yeah. You know, there's a saying in radio that it's not what you know, it's who you know, and it doesn't necessarily discount the fact that you you know you don't have to have talent to get where you're going, but crossing I paths. I don't think radio has the right to claim that what saying. no radios that radio is the saying is always hit your post <laughs> sure hitting the post is important for sure but there See, is i don't know what that means it's okay so, so the when, pump, the, when the go end, ahead let me have this one please yeah, absolutely this. i've been in radio for a long time long Feel enough this. to know <laughs> look at him he's a natural uh, uh, when there's an intro to a song prior to the first hit of the lyric that's when you go wnbc and it's 65 degrees here in Paso robles and what's going on and then boom when you stop talking that's when it goes or whatever the song is you know right he got it right. Do a radio show. We should do a radio show. Let's one. do it. I think we are. We've got control of this one I already. I will hit my post. <laughs> do you think you can hit? A, you think you can hit a post, Mark? Sure. Let's give it a try. Okay. Here's what. If I remember this song correctly, it's got about an 11 second post. It's semi charmed life and uh, third eye blind. Well, here we are. It's the Crack FM. This is MCMC MCA. It's 65 degrees in Paso Robles. The Evapo transpiration rate is 17.5. <laughs> oh shit! He just slayed that post. Wow! Did you not? Oh my god, that just happened. That was so sick. That was. So never sick. actually tried that before. I love it. That was awesome. Yeah, give me cheers for that. That was great. Be a DJ. Man. Well, I'll tell you what. You have to do what you love. While uh, I, I am joshing about the, being in the radio, blah blah blah. I, I will say that we appreciate you with. The lack of great pay, which I think you deserve, and the lack he deserves the lack of great pay. He he deserves he deserves uh, to get paid more money. Yes, <laughs> we all do. Uh, but but and, and I think that when you when we're talking about musicians, like musicians don't like sure. historically don't get paid a lot. And I just want to reach out there to Radio Land and wineries that have missed live music and say maybe up maybe up your rates a little bit for for uh, for those working musicians out there. And I'm fortunate to have a job as a winemaker and and able to to pay my bills and have music be a hobby. And and that I'm very grateful for. But there are a lot of guys that I play with that don't have that luxury. And a hundred bucks a guy just has been the going rate since the seventies and I think it ought to be, you know, just try and find it in your heart to maybe add a couple bucks to, you know, somewhere, in, you know, in the tasting experience or, or what, the concert experience. And I know it's tough because the, you know, bars have had trouble I'd like as to well. chime. I'd like to chime in here. Chime away. I might. You might. Because we do a lot of music here at Bristol's. And it's challenging because the last thing I want to do is, is haggle with Mark Adams or any other musician about cost, right? Yeah. But we also have to try and make money, which... Which is challenging when you're paying a band a lot of money, which they deserve. You know, where that can change and help a little bit is the spectators tipping the band. Absolutely. Yes, right? we've absolutely. Done, we've done nice, like Alec Lytle will come and play, and he plays pretty much for tips. And yeah. he does all right, because we go around with a tip jar. And, like, yeah, and that's something people. that you guys are great mm-hmm. at, because so, you actively do help. And it doesn't matter where that where the band gets the extra love, and you make a great point. It doesn't have to be on the telephone when you book the gig. You also have, have music regularly, yes. which is huge. So you can have... Because I love it. People, Yeah, I mean, I you're, you're an awesome supporter of, of live music. But you, you nailed it. And 
tips are even easier now. People don't carry a lot of cash, and that can be an excuse. Well, no longer because like PayPal and Venmo and Venmo. So there's a cool. You just scan the code, and it pops right up, and you can give them a buck, or you can give them five bucks, and then next right. thing you know, twenty people give five bucks, carry the one, Templeton math, boom. Yeah. These are all really good conversations because you're right. Things are opening up. These this dynamic is going to be happening more, and I think people have been like waiting with bated breath to come back to Paso. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're seeing the crowds, and these are conversations that if we're going to be you know making these you know scenarios beneficial to the musicians to the consumer to the winery so they can do more of them we have to be thinking about these things it was funny so i was bringing up the it's not what you know too you know because both of you have interesting situations where the paths that you crossed like you just talked about when you met bob haas you're working with you know john munch you you, you meet bob haas and you're there at the first day of of tabas creek putting vines into the ground and you know just a moment ago thank tabas creek and said look i think i'm my employer lets me do my stuff there because there's something super super important to those relationships that are still really solid totally totally i mean i it is not something that i ever expected or would have asked to do but it was offered and i took it and it's it's worked well and that's always a it's a dangerous game making a wine at your employer's business but we've done well there's a, a mutual respect that works but yeah without without that leg up from from them it would have been hard for me to even keep going yeah, because you know, this is not a this is not a poor man's game to get started. You know, it's a it's a struggle bus. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Our situation is no the same. If if I didn't have yeah. Justin Smith's help, I, I, right. I wouldn't be in this business. Even though I was lucky enough to be able to farm a family piece of property, which was another situation that I wouldn't be in this game without awesome. that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, no, no, without um, being able to have not only the, the knowledge, you know, the tutorial for farming and for winemaking, but to have a facility where I could start, even though it was, I mean, the MCA cuvee comes from when I had a single barrel of wine and Justin Smith would joke at me and say, well, how's your little MCA cuvee doing over there? Because <laughs> you referred to me by my nickname and that's, yeah. that's why we have a, a, a plan like that. But Neil's absolutely right. Like, you know, these, these are huge huge things to and it's still happening all over the wine community it's how people before them get started and i think it is important though that that it's recognized by people that we're all standing on shoulders yes right none of us really i mean justin smith done a great job amazing pebble and terry planted that vineyard That's he, right. he walked into that and did a stellar job i mean you can take nothing away but and Absolutely. he and he's humble and will be the first to say that for sure you know it's yeah and it's just frustrating sometimes you hear guys like, oh, I did this all off my own. It's like, no, you didn't do this off your own yeah. back. Paso Robles took a, there was a lot of people making wine in this town when it was really not yeah. easy. There was no reputation. There was no, anyone that's coming in now, it's a different game because people know it. Well, you go like Ducey right. and Pizzenti and those old yeah. families that were doing all that old stuff. York Manton, the, yeah. even, even really Munch and Utsen and Eberly and those guys. I mean, yeah. they were kind of the first ones that were, in the mainstream a little bit, I guess is, would be the right term. I don't know. But even then, you know, when I worked at, you look, you look, I mean, when I worked at Adelaide in the early 90s. With John Munch. With John Munch. So it wasn't actually work. It was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were in a winery. But back then, you look at what was on Adelaide Road and Vineyard Drive. When we opened that tasting room at Adelaide, which was, I think, 94, there was nothing on Adelaide Road. Zero. There was Justin uh, on Chimney Rock, and there was Art Norman on Vineyard Drive, and that was that. Damn. There was nothing on Peachy Canyon, or maybe Peachy Canyon was on Peachy Canyon, but only just. 
And that was it. And that wasn't that long ago, right? Well, then you drive out because Byzantium was there. Where right, then you drive to 46. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 I yeah. mean, that, that little stretch. Yeah, then there was <laughs> when the, did the, then it was Byzantium. Yeah, yeah. And then that Zen Alley spot, when did that get Zen Alley, I think, started when, and I may be mistaken here, but when Turley bought Pacenti, Frank Norelli, who owns Zen Alley, he was with Pacenti. I don't know gotcha. what that family relationship mm-hmm. is, but and he went there and did. And then Rhoda behind. Uh, well, Rhoda behind Pacenti was there also. That's that was there for a while, right? In the twenties yeah. or something. That's always right? been there. Yeah, mm-hmm. now that's owned by Bill Lapp, right? Who's bringing that back into play, which is cool. And there's a bunch of cool kids making wine in that facility, which is fun. Peas and uh, Sneaky Pete. And, oh, cool. Which is cool. This is a good custom crush spot, it seems. Obviously, this doesn't happen without MCA, you, Neil, and the person in the heart that you guys have, the relationships that you built. But some of this, could this have happened in another area? Some of this is kind of passo, isn't it? I, I feel like the, the greatest thing about this community is that we are, we encourage each other, uh, at least for the most part that I can tell. It's been, it's a, it's a fertile place for this sort of growth in that we are, are, are fans of each other. Uh, we want everyone to succeed. There is a sense of community that isn't as as competitive as, as maybe other regions. There is room to grow, which maybe in Mendocino or Napa, obviously there isn't that much room. There's room for young young people. I mean, Atascadero is getting pretty darn hip, thanks to Bristol yeah. Cider House and places like that. You it's know, because I'm so hip. It's exactly <laughs> that's it. I didn't want to you know have, have to make you say it. Leading but, the uh, hip charge. That's right. That is so true. Like I mean, you- tour room and there's tons of growth downtown and and. Uh, Rack and tour and the fossil wine bar. There's yeah. more um, the traffic records. I mean, that place is mm-hmm. really cool. Good things are happening in in Atascadero, which is fun. There's a couple of wineries. Mia, you've been here like the longest, I think, right? John I mean, you've been Merrick. here for what? He's like the seven go- he's years? godfather of Atascadero. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. <laughs> yeah, the industrial estate winery in Atascadero. <laughs> it, there it is. You know. I yeah. Mean, would I rather be in a in a cave in the Adelaide? Yeah. Possibly not for Bristol's, but for Loma Drone. But yeah, yeah, I mean, with Bristol's, that, this is a community center. This is a place right. where we go. This, and this is the ship. Yeah. So, and we dig it. We like it here. And and I have to tell you that Atascadero, they they went out of their way to make this work for us. Mm-hmm. You know, when we came to town and we're like, we're going to do this, they were kind of like, what? Okay. Yeah. We want you to do this. Right. Let's make it work. And we and we made it work. You know, we work within the rules, of course, for the most part. But the uh, I can't say enough about how easy Atascadero made it for this to happen because they want it to happen and they're they're pushing their town it, which you can see downtown you know you can yeah. see that well, I mean you kind of look at it and there's some good city management there and I'm you know I know Terry Banish well Absolutely. and stuff and I think they're, they've seen what happened in Paso and they're sick of being the the step sibling south that it wasn't happening to when right. there's no reason it can't there's no. no reason you can't have these artists in minds these artists is there a places better, tastes is there a better Park and building than the sunken garden and that the yeah it's pretty amazing city hall in <laughs> beautiful yeah, I remember the uh, Paso um, like the taco, the taco festival was That's one of the fantastic. highlights of, yeah. yeah the dancing horses oh well, man well Paso so Wine Speak see that did their seminars yeah. there and it was like an absolutely beautiful backdrop yeah uh, to we it we did the cider fest brunch in the rotunda yeah. room yes. in the top <laughs> of the it was, it was fantastic yeah. let's talk about Lone Madrone um, obviously late nineties early two so thousands this is what he does he makes it. What? Not last three days. 
Right. <laughs> what, keep things moving a little right. bit? Keep it moving. Good morning, Mr. Adams. How are you? <laughs> Still here. I got a post to hit. 65 degrees in Paso Robles. <laughs> Which, when is it ever 65 it degrees never, in It's not. <laughs> and, uh, and my evapotranspiration rate of 17.5 is complete bollocks. It, yeah. it passes 65 on the way to something else. Right, right. Or maybe like, like at night. Yeah, no, it's 33 at night. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Lone Madrone, you consider yourself um, a Rhone house? Like when you talk about the wines that Lone Madrone and that you wanted to express uh, of Paso and uh, of where you're getting your grapes. What no, do you- I don't consider myself a Rhone house particularly. I mean, that's that's probably born of my day job at Tablas and also just what's going on in town. Lone Madrone was started as a Cabernet Sauvignon. We're not allowed to talk about it unless we drink it. No. So it started with Cab and, and Zim because in 96 when I started, that's what people were doing. And I didn't know any better, mm-hmm. right? I only started in the business in 91, so right. I was young and digging on the cabs. So that's what I started with. And the evolution has been long. I mean, from there it went to things that were curious to me and then it grew into farming really it grew into what vineyards intrigued me that's and the people that farm them what's what's that about you know david osgood david bailey those people and and how are how are they farmed and that seems to be a a front and center expression on your website is the who who's farming these grapes that lomadron is using like, I mean, the whole, you got a really cool website, Loma Drone, and it's like, you know, this big, huge picture of, of the farmer and then everything about it. And, you know, it's kind of very anti what a lot of other winers are just like, hey, here's, here's this, this, this. You're really like, hey, the, this is how these grapes are farmed. This is where they're farmed. It's really important to you. Well, because I think that the, that's the over, was the overlooked thing. I think it's changed a lot lately, but... The foundation of every great bottle of wine, whatever it be, whether it be Ledge or Saxum or whatever else, is is the vineyard, is the grape, is the farming, right? So I don't I don't have the the luxury of owning my own vineyard. Maybe it's still is it still a dream? Do you want that or do you like it like this? A lot no, of people no, have made of course it's I would I would continue I think to buy from from the people that I like working with. But yeah, it's a dream. You know, my kids are involved in in the business now, and that that is something we'd love to do. But it's financially, it's sure. a, it's huge, crazy. Yeah, you know, to buy a piece of land and put a vineyard in is not is not throwaway. And I just talked to Mike Seiner, and then the the headache to run it. Yeah, to so keep but it yes, moving. Yes, it's a dream, and it will eventually happen one day, probably for my kids, not mm-hmm. for me. But that's fine. You know, I mean, I'm the. I'm the first generation in this business, so that's probably how it should be. You yeah. know, I'll lay the lay the groundwork. But yes, for me, the farming practice, the people that farm, that is the foundation of everything we do. I I can't make great wine from vineyards that aren't farmed well and don't give me good fruit, and from people I don't like. Right. Right. So I talked about that kind of cross pollination with um with Scott Holly. Let's say when he was at law to people at Torrin and I know you know, Torrin's been around longer than, than that, so you could say maybe people met him his wines at law and then went to Torrin. I'm sure there was a ton of people who liked him at Torrin and found out he was at law and went to law. Tabas Creek is a huge, well respected name internationally. So it's pretty cool to you think, Oh, this this winemaker, this Neil Collins. Do you think there's been a lot of cross pollination between people wanting to see what you're uh, what you're doing on your own based on the success you've had at Thomas Creek. For sure. For sure, there has been. I mean, I think that, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, Mark will agree, but I have made a, 
a big effort not to use that. Oh, sure. Like, no, I totally... Like, you don't hear Mark yelling that Saxum, Saxum, nope. which is where he worked and learned his chops a little bit, right? Absolutely. I don't try to use that, but certainly, you know, and we're... We're doing a Loma Drone wine cruise in Bordeaux, and half people the, put their Templeton math and put two and two together. Half the people that go on that cruise are people that have been on the Tablas Creek cruises with me. So yeah, right. there, there's some crossover, but not completely, because it's a different vibe at Loma Drone that is Tablas Creek. Absolutely, we're, we're not the same. We have different feel for what the winery is and what it should be. There's there's a lot more tradition involved in Tablas than there is in Loma Drone, and my kids are getting more and more involved, of course, and that's going to change it a little bit too i suppose but the the bottom line is i'm i'm whatever the fun we have at the winery or the side areas i am totally and completely dedicated to making incredibly good wine i have immense fun making it and i think we should have immense fun drinking it and that's kind of where it lies and it, that can be a stumbling block at some point because there's people that don't think it's serious enough it's like well you know what it's really serious in the glass but what do you want? You know, we want to enjoy this. We want to have fun with, with what we're doing from start to finish. MCA, let's talk ledge. Uh, you returned back to Adams Ranch early 2000s, want to say like 03 ish, and yeah. you had started planting. And then over time, you've, you know, we're what, three, four acres now or 15? 15. 15 acres now. Yeah. And the, um, the transition was really uh, based on. Um, permission to farm from my parents who bought in the 70s they went out to uh, take my sister to camp natoma which now my daughter is doing for the first time this year so that's a real is fun that's yeah cool. and my sister's coming out to visit she lives in in philadelphia now that's that out on clamine yeah yep and, so, and so they're, they're a cool group of people when they um went out to drop my sister off at that point they had a little house in san luis obispo and um if i was born i was a baby uh, and and mom, who's a school teacher, and dad was pharmacist at the, you know, I think he, he moved to the ADX drugstore in Paso Robles when the, when they bought the ranch. But it was something that was absolutely affordable for for, for them and and would be for 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 most of us. For you know, uh, it was a what year was that? Massive value, uh, mid seventies. All right. Yeah, it was and doable then. It was doable, right. and and I'm I, I won't talk numbers, but but it's it's uh, blow your mind now. Yeah, it, it blow your mind now, uh, and there were there were uh, several ranches available, um, right in where Denner is now. But uh, back then there there weren't wineries or, or vineyards. Of course, we're, we mentioned Pizzenti was there and Rhoda was there, um, and uh, so that was the beginning of it. And then my folks had three kids. My brother. Well, I went on to be an engineer and uh, was living in Albuquerque at the time. And uh, my sister's husband's a professor of photography, so she was with his career path. And and I was, uh, according to, to my dad, I love him so much, but he was like, you're spinning your wheels in Los Angeles. And I didn't think I was. I was cutting sound effects at Sony Pictures. I had a good job. But he was right because I didn't see a future for me in Los Angeles. The center of gravity for me was always that ranch. And I had hoped to, to earn enough money to get something like it. And the, the, the possibility of that was dwindling. And um, so I, I, um, I asked permission to come back and, and, and take a go at farming it. And at that same time, Justin Smith had recently started Saxum and was absolutely in the humble stage, stage of, of that venture. It was like, well, MCA, I can't pay you, but I can teach you how to do this, and I could use a hand. So it was that sort of internship. 
and um, and I took uh, some some cuttings of the bone rock terraces, which is a Strayoclone Syrah, and uh, I plowed a, a section of dirt closest to the well because I couldn't afford PVC piping to really take it that far to what is now better spots of the, of the ranch, and uh, and then and we went went off from there. Just cross your fingers. How those first clones go? We had a hundred percent take rate. It was a two thousand four five winter. There was a huge deluge that year, and uh, and I had learned enough. I'd studied enough. I had rooting hormone. I soaked them in rooting hormone. Put them under the house, and then they, the buds had actually started just popping on their own before they were even in dirt. Oh my gosh! And so we gently just from the life already inside those sticks. Yep. Wow. We, we we wrapped them in uh, wet newspapers and, and black garbage bags and deprived them of sunlight. Put them underneath in the basement in the house. Had you grown anything or farmed anything before? Nope. Not no. even weed? Nope. You're just like, this, we're just going to try this. <laughs> what a trip. Yeah, it was, it was in hindsight, it, it was miraculous that it worked. But my wife had a couple friends. At, at the time I met her, she was working at the Los Angeles Opera. So we were L.A. bound. And we were artistic, and I, I was still doing music down there. But I, I knew that I wasn't going to let give my parents the opportunity to let go of that ranch because I knew how precious it was. And, uh, so you, by all accounts, fit into the L.A. scene very well. You were talented enough to stick around in it. You, you, you blended yourself in it, but there was always something pulling you back. I always felt like a farm boy because I was still yeah. that kid from Templeton, always. I mean, I, I played in a country rock band in L.A. too, so I still look like a Templeton kid back from, you know, when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, that, was, that was really important to me. And, and, you know, if you want to talk about Templeton roots, you, you know, uh, in uh, No Country for Old Men, you got Josh Brolin with the eagle jacket at the end of that movie. I mean, even, I mean, especially now, you see people from Los Angeles coming up and San Francisco coming down, and they're realizing what a, what a gorgeous place it is here and, and what a cool community. And, you know, people always ask, where should I go? I said, well, go to Bristol's or go to Lone Madrone. I mean, Neil is always on my recommend list. And yeah. this is why people love coming back. Well, you like, read the comments to, like, the podcast. Passo to some, to folks, it just grabs people. And the, uh, there's something so uh, intangible about it. But um, people getting their second homes here. or They're making sure that they come here once a quarter to come taste. And yeah. taking a whole long weekend, you know. We, I mean, we see the same people over and over again. Yeah. We welcome them back. And we're yeah. like, great to see you. Yeah. They, they're not customers. They're friends after a while. How did when did you know that ledge was slipping into something that was shoot this is working this is comfortable the reception is good People, I, I can command a, a premium price for the wines like wh- I mean, wh- well, when did I you know that it was, I, I, I things learned, were hitting I learned early on to let Are you my commanding w- a premium price to, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm not commanding anything at this point I'm just uh, you know praying to jaw but uh, <laughs> but but my wife handles the finances and, and I know things are working when I can afford to put in another couple acres and that's how it's been slow and steady or we, a nice pillow we, we've, we've had to uh, this by the way was uh, Lacoste was, was, was from eBay <laughs> and, and I fetched this thing for 14 bucks so well, you I've can take jealous. it easy there I've been yeah, you should be jealous <laughs> I mean, walked in here and I'm, I'm going to land you on my foray into Le Tigre next <laughs> and, then, and then we'll talk we'll talk when did you know with Lone Madrone Neil Conversely, you know what? We got enough to let's 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 kick Bristol's off. I know that's been a uh, was a passion for you for a long time. When did Bristol's? I'm sorry. When did Lone Madrone really start to kind of hit it? Right. Frankly, Adam, it was when I could command a high <laughs> price. <laughs> 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 busting balls hard. Uh, hey, no, it was when we were at 46 West at the the old Lone Madrone tasting room, which is now Four Lanterns, and we were doing the Burger Sunday business, and I still had some cider and. Literally, it was like Chris Cherry and 
Anthony Yount and Justin Smith and Mark would come on a Sunday and we'd drink cider and play cornhole and eat burgers and people were like this they weren't drinking the wine they were drinking the cider I'm like okay yeah. maybe it's time to bring it back right so that's when we brought it back and literally I went over during that period I bottled a bunch of still cider because I didn't know what else to do I guess in screw cap bottles like wine bottles that I had and it was great it was like uh, Chris Cherry said it was like vino verde mm. nice well and we're also crushing cylinders at, at Live Oak right we were doing that so I wanted to do keg. So I called Brendelson. I'm like, hey, I help. Matt Brendelson, Firestone. Right. Yeah. Matt Brendelson, Firestone. So I went over with a bunch of cases of cider. And Matt and I like broke screw caps and poured them into five-gallon kegs. And wow. he like ran around the winery asking people where shit was because he didn't know where <laughs> it was. Right? And we carbonated like half a dozen kegs in the the walk-in fridge they had at that time. So this was what, like, I don't even know, 2006 or yeah. something, somewhere in there. And so he would go and, like, shake them for me every couple of days, and that was the first keg Bristol cider, and then we no took that for Sundays, and then it was like, okay, this this is cool. And so Bristol's took flight again, you know, and, and then, of course, cider took off in general. Which brand, Bristol's or Lone Madrone, do you find yourself, and it may be both, do you find yourself making 100% of the portfolio merely because that's what you want to drink and that's what you like? I mean, all of it. But how much of that is like you reading what they want and going to make that for the for your fans and you just make them what you want and they'll gobble it up because they're going to do it. <laughs> well, let's just say I could command a higher price if I made what people wanted instead of what <laughs> I think's cool. <laughs> so... No, I mean, I've really, particularly with the cider, because there was, and there still is no knowledge of that product in this country. I mean, people still, it it still doesn't have a footing of what is it supposed to be, right? It's still, we're, everyone's doing something different, which is the cool part of what's going on, and the British are they're jealous of that freedom that we have here. But for me, the ones that I like, do I like cider with hops in it? Yeah, not particularly. I make them because we need a, a lineup on the bar. I like pure apple cider that's, that is just apples, and that's what it is. That's, that's what I wish that, that we could do on the bar here. And, but it's also a lot of fun doing, doing all the other the bourbon barrel-age stuff. is super cool. I, that's one of my favorites these days, the Amboni. And the hop stuff's fun, too. It's just not necessarily my game. The mango with the beets in it is like the perennial favorite of everybody, maybe because it's pink. I don't know. but And delicious. I just finished up all delicious. of my uh, cider club allocation last night, and oh, I need to re-up. Time to buy some more. I just bought two at the Colony Market when I was here on... Thank you. We went to Epic Estate for a picnic, and I bought two of those at the uh, Colony Market. We're actually doing a... Hike it wine thing and calling on Saturday. So, and let's talk about the hike it. Cause the hike it is new. You said it's uh, mainly uh, the, the kids are doing the hike it. Mm. Sons, sons, yeah. Um, so we wanted to do a, a, a can wine for on the trail, basically, because we're a, a family that likes to walk and hike and go outside. Jordan's a climber. We all ski. We all we all play outside. So that's where this came in. H y k i t, and like you said, hike it in, but hike we it out. So wanted it to be a really good can of wine yeah they're not all really good cans of wine what's Mm-mm. on the shelf right there's a lot of sweet stuff out there it's kind of like cider right so they're all they're all quality wines they're you know we don't really dwell upon what's in the can i mean there's grenache blanc and whatever whatever we choose to put in there and there's a white rosé and a red 
seems like the white and rosé are the, the popular two more than the red, which makes sense. You know, you don't take a red wine to the beach particularly, I suppose, or right. golfing or... But canned wine it is, is good on ski stuff, though, I will tell you that. It's just really taken off. It's so cool to see how it's taken off because you are seeing quality wine, yeah. quality producers using the cans now. Totally, totally. And Jordan's particularly an outdoorsman. You know, he's a Yosemite guy, so he, he loves it. He's totally into it. So it, it's just a, another fun offshoot of what we do. You know? Where do people find the high kits? If Well, here at sure. Bristol's. Colony Market is a big supporter. And we're ju- I mean, it's just released, so it's... Oh, uh, just like just brand new? Just brand new. Like, what, what are we talking? Like, last couple weeks? Months? Last few months. Yeah. Wow. So cool. we're not really widespread yet. No, it's so like born in 2021. Like, we're just... And it's kind of interesting still, going out to the marketplace and saying, hey, I've got a can of wine. A lot of people are like, well, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I had... Uh, tasted the high kit wines here when they were sort of in a like developmental stage. Yeah, but we we found it at the halfway station. Uh, there you between, go. Yeah, and, and between here and Morro Bay. Yep, and they're making killer food out there. Have a, a really beautiful vibe, family oriented situation, and and it was just nice to see. see my wife didn't blink twice. She's like, "Yep, get that." Loved it's- it. It's it's great. It's a great thing in many reasons, even in the home. Like at the end of the night when you say, oh, should we open another bottle? Yeah, we don't really need another bottle. So open a can of hike it. It's like nine ounce or something like that. It's, it, it's 250 mils because, you know, this is this is hilarious, right? 250. This, okay, so it's, it's a third of a bottle. Yes, it is. So you have to be careful because you can drink it quickly. But this, this whole process was so weird because governmentally, this has changed now, but when we started this, governmentally... You can only put wine in certain size packages, right? So it's like 375, 500, 750, 1.5. You can do 180, whatever that is. But 250 did not fall into that category. So it's not legal to put wine in a 250 ml container. However, you can put it in a three pack. Yeah. Oh. Which adds up to And that's, I'm just like, really? No or a way. Four pack, That's ridiculous. Or a twenty-four pack. So you just make four packs of it. Yeah, and there you see them all in there. What, is, what does a four pack go for? Twenty-four bucks. Sweet. There it is. See, that is so. That's so awesome because you're getting more than a bottle of wine. You're you getting, do, and it's you're getting the the ability to break it up. It's quality wine. Yeah, right? I mean it's it, it's a nice glass of wine. It's not ledge. Right. <laughs> Everybody, calm down here. This is that's not uh, you know. Come on. It's, it's when are we going to see? Different, different. When are we going to see the MCA cuvee in a can? I no, heard they're going to do thirty-two answers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So, tall boys. Tall boys. Tall boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, uh, my friend uh, who is uh, not in in earshot of of this. Um, Broadcast, but uh, Decker Kitchen down in Westlake Village. He has a canner. I grew up on Agora. Is that right? That's yeah, so cool. So, no so way. And uh, during the pandemic, they were canning cocktails. He has got a great uh, bartender, and they're making really cool craft cocktails. That's so cool. And I went down uh, actually to visit uh, my in-laws and and went went golfing with with Graham, and he pulls out cans of ledge that he canned himself. Oh shit! From from his bar. <laughs> <laughs> Along with like pina colada and a freaking mai tai and whatever right. else he had, because we were also golfing with his bartender. So, so but but to have a ha- a, a canner is totally amazingly handy. And even though did you think you would ever put your lips on ledge wine out of a can? Never, but it was glorious. <laughs> I bet it was. So, so I visited Nicole from Santa Cruz Cider couple of years ago and they had like a a single can canner that's and, what he has yeah and she was like yeah it's great but it's even better for gin and tonics for the beach totally like everybody should own a canner 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Domestically. I don't even know how pro- home. prohibitive it was. You're home. You make some Mai Tais. Absolutely. How, yeah. You don't want to bring bottles with you to the beach no. or hiking for that matter. Hike so it. here you go. There you go. I, hike it. It's brilliant. Someone there should get a hike at G&T. There should really. be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other license. <laughs> a hike at G&T. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's the next time we talk about the next time a year from now or so. That would be another project. I know. Yeah, right. That's the last thing you need. So give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Hanging out with Neil Collins of Lone Madrone and Hike It Wines. Also, Bristol Cider. And Mark Adams of Ledge Vineyards. And this is where wine takes you. And it's a where wine takes you first. Rather than this podcast being like, you know, an hour and 48 minutes or whatever it was going to end up being. And I wrestled with it. I'm going to put part two out on the rest of this conversation separately. And it won't be in two weeks. I'm going to do it uh, in a few days. So you'll get a bonus episode. And we'll continue with our regular schedule and have a brand new episode in two weeks like normal. And I will tell you, we are working on a very special show for the next episode and uh, seeing if we can nail it down. I will give you a hint, though. It was one of the wineries that one of the guests worked for today. There were two. And another little hint, we've already had one of them on this podcast, so it would be that other one. So I'll leave it at that for now. So, yes, great conversation. And when I looked at the tape, I was just like, damn, this is a twofer. It's going to be. It's got to be. So I'll give uh, fans a few days to listen to this and we'll post part two in just a few days and be still be right on schedule. It's why you have to subscribe and get that notification when the next pod is live. Now, speaking of what's live, our Paso Wine Fest auction is live until May 16th and has some incredible lots. You've got to check out wine, tastings, dinners, stays at incredible accommodations in Paso. Just hit up PasoWine.com. See what I mean? I will also put a link in the show notes as well. Also, it helps so much when you rate, review, and of course, subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. You know, use that little square button with like the line out of it. Just text this link right in your phone right now to someone who you know loves wine. Look, if we're going to go for world wine podcast domination, we need your help. So thank you for sharing and spreading the word. Not even just how special Paso is because you just got to come here and you feel it. But that the podcast is really like a way to travel right through those smart speakers, your phone, your headphones, whatever you're on, and be right in the room with these people sharing it all. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer, Jen Bravo. Next time you are planning your next trip to El Paso de Robles, please hit up PasoWine.com. Especially if you're going to be here next week for Wine Fest. And if you are and you see me out and about, you better say hello. And next time you are cruising around the Central Coast, don't forget you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, weekday mornings on Coast 104.5, and The Wine Stuff, The Cork Dorks, on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5, where you can stream at Crush 92.5, with a K, Crush925.com, and you can check out the vibe. Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Give me a follow, too, on the socials. You can see pics and get inside on what's happening in wine country out here on Instagram at Adam on the air. Well, we delivered authentic today, I will say. Some great guests. I hope you find the wine you like, have the time you like, and hang with the people you like. Until next time we chat and share where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that.
time will get by We can pass all around till the job is Camp out in the trees It will simplify and work on Give me that more time will get by We can pass all around till the job is Camp out in the trees It will simplify and work on Give me that more time will get by We can pass all around till the job is Out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.